Hello, hello. hello. <laughs> we have Kadeem, producer Kadeem, back in the building or back in the Zoom. What's up, Kadeem? How are you? I'm very often now, guys. Yeah, She's exactly. A She's a regular. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that you're like, don't even. I'm just here. I'm here all the time. We appreciate that you're here. We love having you here. You are listening to the Unpretty Podcast, where we explore perceptions of beauty through the lens of black and non-black people of colour. Unpretty is one years old. Which is wild. Actually wild. <laughs> we made it. We made it. A whole 22 year. 22 episodes, one year. Yeah. A whole and lockdown then, later. Yeah. A whole it's lockdown later. Still in the same situation. Still in my bedroom. Still in the same rooms, yep. <laughs> Chi, I feel like you just announced something before we started recording. Would you like to share with the audience? Um, I actually waxed my legs. Can I just say, I don't know for who, but I waxed my legs by myself the other day. Have you got any ingrown hairs from that? That's No, my hair is so fine, man. Like, I don't get ingrowns. I'm very so why blessed. Why do you get hairs on legs? I've never heard yeah. of that. You get ingrown hairs everywhere if you, if you, don't, mm. if you don't exfoliate. Do you know what? I am the queen exfoliator, so I dry brush like twice a week mm. anyway, and I use Mario Bedescu exfoliating body soap wow. daily. So I'm I'm all about this. exfoliation. Do love a good I wish I did. Yeah. yeah. Well done you. I wish I exfoliated more. I'd like to be a better oh, exfoliator. Exfoliating is key. It's good for circulation. It's I also know, I just like I know, I know. But I a dry brush it. is just really good. It's meditative. Like, it's, oh, I love it. it. Sounds painful. Yeah, I don't, for the dry, the dry brush isn't for me. I've got, it's my so skin's weird. too sensitive, but I'll just be exactly. having scratches everywhere. Yeah, me too. I mean, I do have scratches when I go too hard, to be fair. I do have, I've got a few um, scabs on my back. Off the back there of we go. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> anyway, what's everyone else been doing? Kadeen, your hair looks fantastic. Talk Thanks. us through. My hair's gone through its own journey throughout lockdown and it's in a state where the ends of my hair are really thin and the roots of my hair are really thick so I just oh. decided to straighten it because I got tired of tugging at it with uh, my tangle teaser mm. um so I actually got a chance to try some of the fable and male products oh what did you try all of them the, the the hair oil that you put in before you wash your hair and you massage mm. in mm. tried the I didn't try the shampoo because my hair, like I said, has been, it's just really tangled. So I needed a detangling shampoo. So I tried the conditioner and I've forgotten the other product. It's a hair mask, right? It's like a hair a hair mask mm. that you literally want to eat that. It smells like bananas. Really? Ooh. I haven't used it yet. Okay, their I'll use it this weekend. so good. Yeah, I'm going to use it this weekend. I've been enjoying their oil, actually. Um, yeah, I'll try the mask. Good rec. Baz, what have you been doing? So our mutual friend, Nana, brought us all stuff back from Ghana when she did her little trip there over Christmas. And she Can I just back say, a- if Nana's yeah. listening, I still yeah. have not received my my package. Sorry, you go. Nana? Nana, you know um, my address? someone needs their package. But <laughs> she brought me back some shea butter. And honestly, I was putting it on my body and I was like, okay, nice, whatever. We all know the smell. It's always moisturizing. And then I was like, I wonder what, how my hair would react to this. Honestly... My hair, the shine and the health on my hair from putting that butter, just pure, pure butter on my hair, I almost feel like I don't need any other product. Like it's doing everything that I've needed a product to do. 
and it doesn't mm. come in a bottle and it's all natural and she probably bought it from some really cute little you know auntie on the market so I feel like I'm a convert this is a good time to direct people back to our first episode of the season about natural remedies yeah I mean I still haven't sure. gotten the natural remedies because sure. I'm lazy and I like everything fully prepared in a bottle but no listen try the shea butter I was it's, I like literally like this morning I was like oh my I need to try and stretch my hair out another two days put a little bit of butter on scrubbed it in and I'm like oh I feel like I've just washed my hair today Ayo swears by it too mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. it's true you're right yeah, yeah I actually because of that when I was in the hair shop this weekend buying products for my hair I was mm. looking at products that had shea mm. butter in it I was tempted to buy but I'm not in the mood to test and trial things at the moment well girl like that. but I would I would advise well Nana as I said, if you're listening, you know my address. <laughs> I did put an order in and I have not received. So well, uh, if Nana, if you're also listening, thank you so much for my order. I've uh, really enjoyed Anyways. receiving it. <laughs> you received yours, Codeine. Yeah, we all go on the same day, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I swear we all said thank you, thank you. Like there was loads of like thank yous. In the group. I went and picked mine up personally. I did not get it on the same oh, day. I said I was gonna pick mine up. There you go. There you Nana, go. we're sorry. Take it back. Take it back. I'll take it back. Oh my God. Exactly. I missed that. I've been busy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get into this episode. Today, we are back with another unpretty and unfiltered, the first one of the season. And yeah. it's an epic one, I have to oh say. Oh my God, this is so good. I'm so, so, so excited about this. Introducing our amazing guest. He's really, 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 really amazing, guys. So today we have Sir John. Sir John is a global artist and dynamic force in the beauty and fashion industry. He developed his reputation creating statement looks while working with the industry's moguls from Pat McGrath to Charlotte Tilbury backstage at fashion shows worldwide. His work has graced the covers of pretty much every glossy you can think of. And he's worked with some of the biggest celebrities, which we're not even going to say the name of because they're pretty big. <laughs> he also has the longest standing makeup artist contract ever with his work with L'Oreal Paris. And he is soon to feature on the soon to launch app called Be Great, which is an educational platform for the BIPOC looking to get into the beauty industry and is also an advisory board member for Black in Fashion Council. I'm sorry, I had to catch my breath because Sir John is busy. Busy. <laughs> Booked and busy, honey. <laughs> Hey guys, hey ladies, hey ladies. It's good to see you and hear your voices. So the first question that we like to ask our guests is, Sir John, how do you identify yourself ethnically and culturally if they're different things? Uh, That's a really good question. How do I, is there a difference between ethnic and culture? So I would say I'm a black man, capital B, you know, with a capital B Mm -hmm. first. I don't know how I would identify culturally. I don't understand. Oh, I'm a New Yorker. There you go. I'm a New Yorker. Okay, I'm a you're Harlem, a New Yorker. Harlem guy, uptown Manhattan. I'm definitely a New Yorker. Even though I live on the West Coast, I live in California now. I will always be a New Yorker anywhere I am. I love that. For sure. Me too. So how's your year been going so far? I mean, it's been a, a crazy year for, for everybody. So how have you been navigating the world that we're living in at the moment? And what has it been like in the US during this time? Oh, wow. Ooh, uh, hence the deep breath before, you know, Listen, <laughs> this, this, this space that we're in, this era that we're in has been the ultimate equalizer in some places. 2020 was a gift for me and to so many people, even though, you know, the mm-hmm. pandemic, a lot of people lost lives during the pandemic, lost their, you know, their incomes, their businesses. So my heart goes out. 
but you know, change doesn't feel good. Change and growth always, it never comes smooth. There's always a little bit of something that's disrupted uh, when you're moving or when you're actually, you know, becoming something greater than you were or existing. It's very true. And so being in the U.S. right now, yeah. it's a very tumultuous environment um, looking at race relations here mm. and, and what that looks like for the Black, Indigenous people of color, specifically Black people. And so mm. at times it can be jarring, it can be difficult. There's a constant state of trauma and postpone anxiety and depression that mm -hmm. I believe is designed mm -hmm. to keep us in, that you have to navigate around and still show up for Zooms, still show up for meetings, still show up and give your best self to work and to mm -hmm. you know, your counterparts or your boss or your team members, uh, yeah. even though there's so many things that are chipping away at us from the inside, from a psychological or mental health standpoint. But I'm here, but we're here, we're out here. <laughs> and, we're here, we're alive, we're breathing. Is, you know, there's still a lot of yeah. work to be done. And, yeah, and no one's going to, you know, we won't be marginalized. We won't be uh, silenced, you know. So I, I, I love the space, and I, and I love that 2020 for me was a, a space that I could actually own my own voice and, you know, and, and speak and, and, and own it and stand in it. Right. So basically, I'm, I'm a truth teller first. Makeup happens to be my day job, and that's how people know me. It's the vehicle that I can actually really get to people because beauty is so emotional. It has the ability to, you know, you have to think about the difference between fashion and beauty and uh, the space that we're in. Fashion, you know, you don't look your handbag in, in the face. You know, your handbag doesn't cover a childhood scar <laughs> the way a concealer does. It doesn't, you know, you don't look into the mirror yeah. and, and have to love your your lips the same way you have to do other things. So I th beauty is so emotional and it comes to a place where it does move the needle inside, you know, so that's why I love being yeah. in this space, yeah. working with these people at this time. You obviously grew up in New York and you're raised by your mom and by her mom. What were your perceptions of beauty growing up? Like, how, what did you see? What was the cultural community like? How were you impacted by seeing beauty through the women that you were raised by? So the two different things. I, I grew up with a really strong mom. I grew up with a, a, a grandmother who was my best friend and loved me. She gave me my name. You know, um, she named me Sir John mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. her brothers, still all in the military or service or army. But I just remember my grandmother was a body positive woman, you know, like she was a big girl but the most glamorous, you know, woman and, you know, with a closet full of hair. And, and this is back in the day, and this, you know, and all of these like loungewear. So I just saw this life of like glamour. Uh, she was like a black Elizabeth Taylor to me, but on a budget, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you don't have to break the bank to, to, to feel or to be, you know, akin to that, that thing. And then my mom, when I grew up, my mother was just the most beautiful woman in the world, in my opinion. And so I just remember, you know, how she, to see her put on a mascara, just kind of, she kind of came alive a little bit. So I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Like, all right. <laughs> well, what's that thing? Why do you do that thing? Like, what is this thing? What is this ritual, well, you know, that you do every morning that connects you to yourself? I just noticed. But I also noticed at the same time, because I grew up in Buffalo, New York, which is a smaller city upstate near Niagara Falls, Canada. And so mm -hmm. going into mm -hmm. drugstores, or if you go to, you know, any drugstore, any supermarket, and looking for products that, like, you know, for my mom, for her, you know, for or my little sister when she was born, you know, for her hair. And I remember that they were all on the bottom shelf of the stores. Like when you go in to the store, yeah. you don't see anything around your eye line. If you think about like there's there's this, the way stores are designed, they're designed for shoppers. They're designed to, you know, for the maximum impact for when people walk in. And so to see everything that is for you, it was like secondary. You weren't, you were, you felt like other. And so yeah. what that does is it, these are small chips away at your psyche letting you know that you're not the mainstream, you're not the one, but you still can be here, but you're not the main player. 
And so, mm -hmm. you know, and just even fighting for that space in stores nowadays, it shouldn't have taken this long, but is equity is a part of the movement. In our research, you were talking about your agents asking you to remove pictures of the likes of Naomi and Beyonce and other black women that you'd worked with so that you weren't pigeonholed as being too ethnic. How did you find navigating the industry as a makeup artist? The beauty industry is traditionally a very white dominated industry. And obviously you're a black man. How was that for you? I mean, listen, I... Uh... It was so cool. I feel so blessed to have been in the business because my, my dress started at a Mac counter when I was 19. Then I went to do visual merchandising for a while. Like, so the windows at Gucci, Bergdorf, Barney's and uh, Henry Bendel. And so one of my buddies from Mac was one of Pat's lead assistants. So I kind of got thrust into that kind of scene. And I just remember there were no people of color <laughs> at, at the tents. This is when mm -hmm. Brian Park, you know, where the tents or, you know, if you go to, they yeah, were all, Brian this Park. is before they were everywhere else. This is before that. This is before social media. This is before all of that kind of stuff. And I just remember there were no, there were no people backstage working. You know, also I used to see Charlotte Tilbury, who I love, um, who helped me out a lot. She introduced me to Beyonce actually in 2010. And oh, wow. you go months without seeing someone who looks like you. You would go a few months mm -hmm. without seeing anyone backstage or on set, day in day out, that even remotely looks like you. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. and what that does is it kind of it's uh it it kind of affects your psyche in a sense because you you right. feel like oh wow. Do I need to, you know, do I need to start dating a European? You know, do I need to like ch change when you're young and impressionable? And I was young. I was, mm -hmm. was kind of, I was in my early twenties or mid twenties at the time. And, but I didn't, you know, I kept, you know, rock steady as Aretha says, but I just remember, you know, looking at my book, I was at Streeters, the same agency as Pat McGrath. And mind you, Streeters was great. And they were a great agency for me at the time. Uh, but I remember having conversations about making my book translate by taking out pictures of some of the greatest black women of our time. Like, you know, Serena, Beyonce, Naomi Campbell, Jordan Dunn, Joan wow. Smalls. Like, I grew up in the, the era with, you know, Joan and me backstage with Anais Smalls yeah. and Joan Smalls. Like, that was the crew. That was our crew, my crew. I was so proud of it. Uh, yeah. And then to fill in the book with, you know, just Eastern European model who no one knew. And so what that does is it can fuck you up a little bit, yeah. but I didn't let it, you know, and then you start to have movement and change in society. So we, if we were waiting on fashion or the beauty industry to be more inclusive, we would still be waiting mm -hmm. <laughs> right now to this day. Right. Trust. Right. Because right. what would happen is the democracy of people and making sure that people are seen and, and they know that they have the power now, which I love. I love that. And hold, yeah. hold brands accountable. Put your foot, you know, like, you know, like hold them to it. Yeah. And I started to see the shift. And I remember, listen, I remember a few years ago when I first, you know, started coming up, coming up, when I say coming up is like earning, and I was scared to speak up. I remember uh, Eric Garner got choked by the police when he was, I was in New York, I'll never forget in Harlem. And I was, and I, I marched, I went protest, we went to Grand Central Station in New York, in Manhattan and laid down as, you know, this is a nonviolent protest and just all these things, but I couldn't talk about it to my community of work. I couldn't you know, bring that in mm -hmm. because I, I was scared I would lose my contracts. I was scared I'd lose clients right. or the fashion business. But now it's not the case. So I just, I love the change. And since I'm here in this space, I just like, oh, you know, listen, let's do this. Let's continue to make sure that we are making women and men or he, she, they, and her, whoever, uh, feel right. seen, feel heard, feel like we're, they're right. on our radar in this business. And so I kind of made a huge a pivot to myself because I felt like I was forcing myself on the fashion industry. Like to be, I haven't said this a whole lot, but I just remember, like I, I checked all the boxes. I have, I have the work. I have, you know, I've assisted all the great people. 
I've done all the things, been all the in the rooms. I'm a really nice guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. why am I? Why do people who, so who are less qualified continue to get the covers of Vogue? Mm-hmm. Continue yeah. to get these covers, and that's you know, I wanted the same thing as my white counterparts had. Same contracts, same covers, same clients, same rates. When you don't have collective voices or you know diverse voices on a team to say, hey, we actually shouldn't do this. Hey, you should think about this. Actually, this is rooted in such and such from yeah. East Africa or South or Joburg yeah. or whatever. When you don't have those voices and you only have one narrator, which happens to be you know European and white, then you look at all of the the things that we see now, which are so alarming, you know. And mm-hmm. so I'm just happy to be in the space right now to continue to fuck it up a little bit. <laughs> There's something really interesting about what's happening right now. Obviously, your the diversity of your work was seen as a negative thing, you know, earlier on in your career. And now I have a few friends who are hair artists in the fashion and beauty space, but they assist like the big, big, obviously white hairstylists. And now the those hairstylists, you know, they have to have braids they have to have afros in their books but you know what's sad about that so this this what you're talking about here it happened to me it happened to me it's happened to all of I, i'm a, i'm thankful i was an assistant you know you can't lead until you can effectively follow mm-hmm. you know a great nice nice i love that yeah and but the thing is i remember i was ready to stop assisting on one particular job when I did Jones makeup for the cover of GQ and I was assisting someone I don't want to say his name and I just remember I did it from start to finish mm. like you know and and so in in assisting when you're an assistant you have to know that's part of the game mm-hmm. part of the game is I'm going to work and I'm never going to get the credit for my work okay okay I get it but at some point I'm realizing my this currency that I'm bringing here which is the, the ability to work with these black girls backstage when they see me they're elated because they're like oh he's going to hook he's gonna whip it up yeah, like he's yeah. gonna do his thing I'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna be so beautiful today that mm-hmm. sense of release or that exhale that talent can do on set mm-hmm. black women mm-hmm. or you know indigenous women can do on set uh, people of color when you see talented hair artists talented nail artists or makeup artists that it doesn't white women have always had that yeah since the beginning of cinema since the 1930s and 40s when we first had a movie screen ladies you know, you Greta Garbo, the Marlena Dietrichs, you know, it was it was a blonde and it was a blue eyed woman. Mm-hmm. And that you have to realize what that does is it uh, systematically uh, starts a structure of white supremacy. Yeah. And so in white supremacy should not be a scary topic, because if you really think about it, it means that this is the supreme face. This is the ideal. Mm-hmm, the, even right. something called the golden ratio. Have you heard about the golden ratio? The golden ratio was started back in the 30s or 40s. I'm not sure. But it says if you have these certain connecting things in the face it's like a little diagram yeah I've that seen makes it. you the most beautiful but it, it but it it it, it uh it leaves out or it excludes people of color mm-hmm. excludes ethnic features mm-hmm. excludes all of those things that make us beautiful and, and that we know and love today but to go back to the point i was making is that a lot of the big hairstylists will have black people on their team guys who do the best cornrows who yeah. get the baby hairs in there to look like mm-hmm. you know what i mean and <laughs> and, the, and also and this is where the culture is coming from. And but they'll take that and say, "Oh, this is my. Oh, we did it. Yeah. So who gets the credit? So and so on their team came out with these beautiful Fulani braids or whatever that looks like. But no, it's this this one girl from Brooklyn, this one girl from East London, mm-hmm, you know, right. this one girl from South Africa. But they don't get the credit. The the European artist gets the credit. And mm-hmm. that was my that was my thing for a bit until I was like, um, no, guys, I'm about to jump in front of this and take and do this for myself now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would say to your friend who's an assistant who happens to be in that space, do it. You have to realize fair exchange is never robbery. 
So in that space, when you're giving them your craft and, and, you know, and you're bringing them culture, should I say, because we are the right. culture. We're the mm -hmm. most copied and imitated people on the planet. People yep. And the thing yep. about it is you have to realize is that fair exchange is in robbery. So when I say that, that means you go and you give your, give your services, go, go with your gifts and then in exchange, uh, get the education you need. Make sure that you meet the people that you need to meet in these rooms. You know, learn diplomacy, how to campaign for yourself, how, how not to have an argument if you have a problem. You know, so there's so yeah. many things yeah. I learned uh, that I was okay. And I saw it was a great exchange for me. But when it stopped being an exchange, uh, that's Step when I away. no longer needed to be in that place. Yeah. It's amazing. I don't, you have, can I just say, you must have so many quotes. I felt like I'm annoyed that I don't have a pen and paper for these quotes. <laughs> it's all recorded, oh. man. Like, it's all good. It is all recorded. You're right. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's all recorded. It's, it's... <laughs> no, no. I, I just, no, man, I just, um, I don't even, can I tell you the truth? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes oh, yeah. from deep within, it's gospel. Yeah. Mm, amen. Right. So I know you've mentioned working with other people of other nationalities, and obviously you've traveled the world quite a lot with your job. When it comes to makeup in general, do you feel like you have a different approach compared to where you are in the world or different cultural environments? So like does the environment or the, or the country that you're in inspire your artistry oh my god it's a good guy so mm -hmm. i've i've been so blessed ladies well one thing is i lost my passport that had all the stamps and oh, i'm sound, i'm whining right now but, so i had to get a passport so well so i lost my passport with all of my visas everything like oh. all my tour stuff and so i have a passport now that has like and i'm just like oh my god but okay i digress but to your point i've been so blessed to have been i've been around the world a few times you know i've traveled the globe so many times starting with fashion weeks starting with you know new york paris milan milan was my first passport stamp i used to work in a strip club in queens doing makeup at the time when i was working with pat and then the girl sent me to milan and i remember my first show wow. was dolce and gabbana after that wow. i went to prada with pat and then that afternoon she sent me to naomi campbell's hotel room at the bulgari in milan and she was my first ever time. And you must have first... literally been like, what is going on with my life right now? Like, I, what is happening? I just, honestly, I just kind of, just kind of, it was a crazy time. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was God. It was just the universe working. And yeah. so she was the first celebrity I've ever worked with. Wow. And, I, you know, Major. and um, she was really nice to me. And, you know, and I just, but these strong, strong women. And then this, two weeks later, meeting Beyonce at Tom Ford's first women's wear show, you know, so, and then going around the world with her like 15 times. So <laughs> one thing I will say is that I don't necessarily change the makeup. I take in so many different things from different places. Like, you know what I've learned most is when I used to do a lot of master classes. And I love it. I really love to connect with people and women. And for me, I love helping people connect with themselves. Mm. And beauty is a vehicle for that. So I'll do master classes in Iceland, Paris. You know, I have a translator. <laughs> I have a few in South Africa. I have cosmetics with Woolworths, which is a great brand I love, in Cape Town and Johannesburg. And so I've always asked questions. Like, how do you feel about where you are? And how do you feel about this? Like. And so mm. the best case study has been the people, mm -hmm. you know, and not what I wanted to put on them, but what I got from them. And so what right. I get from them is, so, is always a unique perspective of, of life or, you know, or a shortcut or, or just a, a, another way to own who you are. But I like to bring New York swag to Paris, New York swag <laughs> to Cape Town, New York swag to London, bop, 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 you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah I'm always going to be who I am. You said about bringing a bit of New York or bringing a bit of you, bringing a bit of the, you know, that stateside feel to everything that you do. Here in the UK, I would say from my perception, probably the girls are the same. Our perception of beauty is a little bit different to the States. I'd say we're a lot more 
I, I, it sounds really silly, but a lot more innocent with our makeup. I think there's a lot, I don't think we're as, there's not as much of a pravada, but I don't think there's as many, exactly. in my opinion, there's not as many black women to look up to that aren't American. So I don't think we have as many like, mm. oh my God, there's a Beyonce, there's, an, and obviously we have Naomi Campbell, but we don't have like a really big like icons in that way, in the same way that I'd say that there is in America. Mm-hmm. For yeah. you, when you look at the UK and you look at the US, do you see a difference in the way the UK sees makeup and the way we see makeup? And, and beauty. Mm. And beauty. That's a really good point. So I feel like there's a minimalism in England that mm-hmm. so even like for example just even being backstage at shows when you look at the difference between the shows at the time because social media has made it so different you have to remember at certain time you could only get you can only view the shows in a certain everyone has access now yeah but back right. in the day i don't want to sound so old you had to be there no, we were in that day yeah, 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 yeah. I was, it was a good day <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and so looking at the london shows there's not a lot of makeup Looking at, I mean, listen, if, and just in fashion in general, fashion thrives off of no makeup, makeup. So I shouldn't even say that. But I would look at the people. How about that? One thing that's mm. beautiful about England is there's this um, artistic, haphazard quality to placement, to, you know, how they put on, what they want to wear. It kind of goes back. It reminds me of, like, think about the Vivian Westwood shows. Think about, you know, uh, all these things. I would just remember, you know, London being. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And so London has always yeah, been like gritty. a cool kid. Not as gritty as Manhattan. Yeah, no. But okay, I would say yeah. that. But New York's always been. I mean, London, <laughs> but it's been, but it's, it's always been smart and a little bit, how can I explain it to you? Deconstructed glam. Mm. When I say, okay. when I say deconstructed glam is because it's not the full face cookie cutter dolliness okay. of the yeah. U.S. at times. It might be an um, eye or a like, lip. it's like, I'm going to wear this lipstick. Mm-hmm. I don't need to wear foundation, but, I, but I'm going to put the blush on. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I don't need to wear, right. you know, concealer because I just, because I don't have dark circles. I think but that's the free I'm going to wear this beautiful, be powerful lip. Yeah, yeah. There's a beauty in that. And so for me, um, the difference is like, there's a really personal touch to London beauty that I feel. Yeah. So obviously you're in L.A., but you've talked a lot about the homogeneity of the LA beauty scene and specifically around plastic surgery. So we wanted to hear some more about like mm. your feelings about plastic surgery, Instagram filters, face tuning. Mm. How have you seen the perceptions of beauty yeah. change as these things have become more prevalent? You know, before we only really saw airbrushing yeah. and photoshopping in magazines. And now we talk about the democratization of social media. It's, it's more mass. That's so true. Well, this is the, th- the thing. I was just having. A, I was on a clubhouse last night with Nars, and I was just saying this yesterday. Is that there's two parts of it all, and so I am from the school of a mental health is really important to me. So when I say mental health is important to me, that means that there's a generation of younger girls and boys uh, who are growing up and seeing the heavily filtered, over airbrushed, you know, elongating the eyes. Mm-hmm. And to the point where a lot of people are also bringing some of these things to their dermatologist. Say, hey, I want to look like this. And so that's why it can be damaging to a age bracket or a demographic that is really young and impressionable mm-hmm. because it chips away at their sense of self. They don't feel connected to themselves if they don't look like these super polished airbrush things that we see on social media. So it's the gift and the curse. Also, some people overdose <laughs> with so much filler and, and Botox and things like that. 
but also from a mental health standpoint, I look at some of my friends who are dermatologists and we have conversations. I used to have a contract with Allergan who owns Botox. I used to go around the US talking about these specific topics, you know, to make sure that we're leaning into differences within people instead of giving everyone the cookie cutter sense of cheek, a lip or nose. Mm -hmm. And so, but there's also a mental health standpoint because a lot of people rush to doctors or rush to dermatologists for these things instead of rushing to a therapist after a breakup, mm -hmm. instead of after a divorce, going and unpacking it with their, you know, with some friends and, you know, over a bottle of wine and, mm -hmm. and then go to a therapist or whatever that looks like going directly to the dermatologist saying, fill me up. And so that's when it can be harmful. That's when we can lose our sense of self. But I am all about ladies. <laughs> I have, I love, I like fillers. I got a little filler in a couple of different areas. You know what I mean? You have like, fillers? I, where, are you, where are your fillers? I, listen, black doesn't, yeah, it says. <laughs> I have a tiny bit under each eye because, you know, I was getting a little bit hollow underneath the eyes a few years ago and I was on a show called American Beauty Star. And um, I remember season one was Adriana Lima was the host. Season two, Ashley Graham was the host. Christy Brinkley was a judge. Russell James, Sarah Brown from Vogue at the time. And I just was like, oh man, I need some rest. I talked to a friend of mine. Her name is Kalana Barco. She was the uh, beauty and health director at InStyle at the time. She's my sister. And I was like, babe, I need some rest. Do you know a good eye cream? And so she's like, bro, I don't know any, I don't know how much sleep you're going to get, but I have a good dermatologist who can give you some, <laughs> uh, some filler. And I was like, oh no, I can't do that. Like, no, blah, 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 blah. Like at the time, like there's still stigma around it, mm -hmm. especially for men. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I can't like, that's, that's fake. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that, I, where I'm from, that's considered fake. Mm -hmm. And, and, but I, honestly, that's so dumb. <laughs> that's so silly. Yeah. If, if you need a little love, if you, if there's something out there and these are things and they're, and like, mind you, they're getting so technological advances and, and these things are undetectable. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even see it when I come out. I'm like, where? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, no, I, I'm, I'm a full believer. And if you need a little something, get a little something. But just remember, just don't go overdose. Don't change your face. Don't change who you are. And mm -hmm. if, you, if you are trying to change who you are, listen, because listen, there's some people who are transitioning out of who they didn't feel comfortable being. And that's mm -hmm. okay too, you know? So mm -hmm. um, I just feel like you got to do what works for you. Shake what your mama gave you. But just remember, you have to remember your own energy GPS and know when to go too far. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I feel like you've made so, a case for under eye filler. I mean, my mom's going to go crazy. Yeah, you have. This episode. <laughs> I definitely, my eyes are starting to get hollow. Yeah. So that's what Yeah, the hollowing like. out is like we lose a little fat around there mm. as we, well, filler just gives you a little bit of that, like a little bit of plumpness. Mm. It's like a little scaffolding underneath certain areas that, you know, because a lot of times we have chronic dark circles or whatever yeah. that looks like. And I lost a little bit of fat around, like when you're a baby, you let all that fat that you have, it's either your body or your face, they mm. say. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, you know, working out and I just remember like working out and getting a little bit hollow around the eyes. Like, why am I starting to feel like I'm always tired? And so I got it taken care of and I continue <laughs> to get it taken care of. You're like, I don't then, yeah, hey, listen, listen, I'm, I'm open All of us are just like, <laughs> yes, we need to. And I feel like just quickly because because <laughs> we're talking about plastic surgery, we have to talk about your Barbie mm. collaboration. Oh. <laughs> That's a nice segue. Oh my God. It's a great okay. segue. <laughs> <laughs> what was so amazing or what is so amazing about that collaboration is that all of the girls, do we call Barbies girls? All the girls are so different and yeah, even all like all the ladies, all the ladies, like their lips, their noses, their eyes, everything. Mm. For me, I was 
I don't know. I only ever had white Barbie dolls when I was a kid because I grew up in a very white area. I had a black one. Her her hair was like a mermaid. You put her underwater and then her hair changed color. But that's about it. Like I do think I she was. I remember that. Yeah. I've forgotten her name. But yeah, tell us about that collaboration. <laughs> tell us about like tell us about the Barbie thing. Why you got involved? Yeah, in, yeah. In um. Oh man. So to be honest, like every you know, my my sister always and my mom always tried to remind me of to, to be happy at to see the things sometimes you don't mm-hmm. see that th- you don't see the, the things that are like a win or like something that's really really cool because you're in it and you're like right next i have to do this I have, you know contracts or obligations for companies and so you don't right. see I, oh wow this is actually something that's kind of cool and my childhood self yeah. would be happy mm-hmm. and so yeah. for me like this you know working with barbie or having barbie as a client right now is kind of like the the cool one of the coolest things i've ever done i feel Imagine saying having Barbie as a client. How cool is that? It's kind of fun, babe. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and the reason I, I got introduced to the company by the power of social. I remember Shiona. She's a stylist, a major stylist. Mm-hmm. And she created a really beautiful, diverse collection of styling, of wardrobe. And someone in the comments mentioned, oh, wow, wouldn't it be cool if Sir John was the makeup artist to, the, you know, to Barbie, you know, from an mm-hmm. inclusive standpoint. The next thing I know, I'm getting contacted from Mattel. And I had a Zoom so with great. these guys. And I fell in love with the people. So for me, at this point in my career, guys, I, I'll meet with companies and I'll meet with, you know, whatever. But I'm really about who, who's, who's running the ship? Who are the people behind the brand? And so, and that's kind of like, that makes me, that moves the needle emotionally. It makes me want to really work hard for them, do what I got to do, represent well, because I like the people. And that's why in South Africa, Woolworths right. was a thing. L'Oreal, you know, all the work we do together. And here at Mattel. So I had this huge love fest with all these people at Mattel. And I just like, wow, I kind of felt them. And they, we had a conversation about what it looks like, for what, what a range looked like. And I just realized that, wow, if I had to go back and talk to, you know, a group of seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 12-year-olds, what does that, I mean, 10-year-olds, what does that look like? What's missing? Not so many things are missing from the era we're in. But with the conversation we can continue to have mm-hmm. is diversity is we can continue to normalize you know my large nose you know wide eyes Mm -hmm. full lips you know 4c hair and so for me that's kind of what i wanted to bring but i wanted to make sure from harlem to hong kong like the ladies saw themselves and these ladies we are all anyone who's listening is carrying around their seven-year-old self any therapist Mm -hmm. will tell you that their six-year-old self and so seeing that six-year-old self and speaking life into that six-year-old self is kind of the work that we need to do in terms of from a what i'm doing from a therapy standpoint but like, you know, yeah. So get some Barbies, babe. <laughs> I'm gonna get some I mean, Barbies. it's the Barbie that Barbies. you never had. Because that was what I was essentially saying. Yeah. I was like, I never had a black Barbie, let alone a black Barbie who, like, actually almost looked like me. And that, from that collection, I was I was just... Absolutely. Seven-year-old Chi would be okay. literally, like... And at this point in your life, right now, you know, get a, get a good one. Get a, I mean, they're all good. But get, <laughs> get a good get, one. You know, get a collector's item. And... And mind you, it's and just let it sit there. Put it in your closet. Put it next to your shoes, your shoe racks. Mm-hmm. You know, and it'll just inspire you. It'll always give you a little. When you see her, you'll smile. Yeah. Okay. So by the end of this conversation, effectively, we're all getting fillers and Barbies. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna look into fillers. I'm not gonna lie. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. These these oh eyes. Normalize that. Exactly. No, truly, I'm I'm here for it. Oh, so, John, we loved this quote that you gave in the Kareem Breitfeldt fashion book last year. You said, 
There's so much arrogance at the black belt level that you'll never learn anything else to stay at the white belt. So in saying that, as someone who has literally pretty much done every kind of makeup you can ever think of on the most incredible people you can ever think of, what have you learned recently? Or what is a new technique that you've never done that you were like, oh, this is a new skill that I haven't done? It's not so much about what I would have done differently in terms of an artistic standpoint. I love to listen to people. I love to hear their interpretation of what beauty is or what beautiful is mm. or, or how they get themselves ready. I'm really always interested. I remember used to, I used to ride the subway in New York, the A train from 59th Street, Columbus Circle. Shout out to Manhattan, <laughs> to downtown Soho. And then I just remember that watching women on the subway just give themselves a five-minute situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to love it. I used to be always like, oh, okay. And I didn't want them to see that I was staring, but I just would love that quick, you know, boop, 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 boop. It's mm. like the Cinderella bippity-boppity-boop. <laughs> uh, and then they're out. They're off. And so those things made me a better artist. Those things, right. when I see women get themselves together in, like, no time flat. You know, as an artist, we it takes us time. It takes us about, you know, 45 minutes to get this and that. And But if a client came in and she had my whole kit, she would look at it and get herself together in seven minutes. Mm, and right. so just some of that is kind of what made me a better artist. And so listening to so the women that I work around, they're photographed by the best photographers. They work with some of the best makeup artists and you know, best hairstylists have seen the best lighting. So mm. I don't know more than they know about their face. I can offer mm. suggestions. I know what I know. I'm gonna right, I, I'm gonna always right, say, uh, right. no, sis, I don't agree. <laughs> if I don't like something. But I've always leaned into like, why do you apply your mascara like that? Tell me or show me. Can you can you do it for me? You know, mm -hmm. so that is instead of oh no, I won't let you have a brush. No, here, take a brush, show me what you do. Mm -hmm. Love that. And so that is kind of like, you know, that's how you connect to somebody, how you connect yeah. to a client. I, I would love for us to give Sir John a brush. And us <laughs> what he can do to our faces because I right. yeah. <laughs> But I'd love to see a Sir John seven minute makeover. Like, could you do it? True. Does that exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've done makeup in a moving vehicle. I remember being in Vancouver one time. We were on our way to the Miss Carter show. And, you know, my client is late getting off of her flight, her PJ. <laughs> and I'm basically sitting there looking at the clock like, oh, my God, I know how much time we have to get to stage. Like, what am I going to do? Like, it's all it's going to be on me. You know, mm -hmm. and so like te in terror, like in terror. And so, but I remember getting, I was in the passenger seat and we driving and rolling around, like, you know, wow. but I was, I have my knees locked into the thing, get over the back, given the face and wing liner was spot on. By the time wow. uh, she got out of the car, it was, it was good. Wow. Go stage. Wow, wow. That is a steady hand. And a strong call. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's a good point. Wow. <laughs> you guys are so fun. I love these questions. These are, I, I, I haven't answered most of these before. Oh, very good. Oh, I'm very happy with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, another fun one for you. If you were stranded on a deserted Thanks, island, what free makeup items would you recommend that we should pack in our bags? And that should be basically items that can mm. be used universally. SPF, hands down. Yes. SPF is the number Love one beauty product everybody, everybody mm -hmm. should be using. Yes. Um, and so, like, sun care, it doesn't matter what complexion you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. But sun protection is key because the mm -hmm. sun breaks down our melanin. Sun breaks down a collagen. As you know, the sun is a, is a massive aggressor in aging. There's nothing wrong with aging. I love aging. I love getting older. But the sun is aggressive. So uh, definitely number one would be sunscreen. And I would even say a couple different types of sunscreen. But that, I would also say... 
you know, give me a good coconut oil. I would love coconut oil just to give my body a like, nice luster, mm -hmm. but also it won't, my, my skin won't break out because it has like a nice antibacterial property. So it won't clog my pores in my body. Um, and uh, agua, some fresh drinking water, a, a oh constant source gosh. of drinking water. Um, if I was stuck on a desert island, those three right there, I'll be, I'll be looking sexy when they got here. When, when you come to pick me up, <laughs> trust I'll be ready. <laughs> That's good. You know? I love that. So we're just going to do some quick fire questions, this or that. Um, mm. So brace yeah, yourself. Fire question. Okay. So first that. one, liquid okay. or powder foundation? Liquid. Okay. Mm. Eyes or lips? Eyes. Or lip. Ah. It depends on how much time you have. If you have a good amount of time, do an eye. If you have no time to do your makeup, always do a lip. Always okay. do a lip if you have no time. Good tip. Okay. No one, no one's gonna know you didn't have time. People will know you if you didn't have time if you try to do an eye. Trust mm. me. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Good tip. <laughs> Perfume or essential oil? Guys, I'm a fragrance. Head. I love fragrance, right? So I do both. Like I'll mix, I'll do an oil because I want it to stay, mm -hmm. and then I'll do a fragrance on top. So in this case, I'll say fragrance. I'll say okay. fragrance. I'm gonna okay. say fragrance. Ruby Woo or Russian Red? Ruby Woo. You know why? Yes. Ruby Woo is because it's so matte. It's one of the first retro matte. It was the first of its kind. Now everyone has matte, you know, yeah. but it has something called kaolin clay, which is a really matte, absorbing light. Also, it's the, the perfect color. It does, it's not too blue. At times, Russian red can be a little too blue. Actually, MAC made Russian red for Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour back oh. in the night. And it's great, mm. but it's not as universally flattering. Ruby Woo is universally flattering. And I'll give you a quick hack for lips. I love a Ruby if you ever Woo. want your teeth to look really white, you go for a blue-based red, like Ruby Woo. Or mm. like you know, any raspberry or berry will always make the teeth look extremely white. If you want your complexion to look alive, if you want your tan to pop or your skin to look really glowy and sexy and warm, you go for an orange-based red. So when you're tan, go for an orange-based red. When you want your teeth to do the action, you go for a blue-based red. Oh. So what would a, a orange-based red be? Russian red? Lady danger, like lady danger. Lady danger. Okay. Mac lady danger. Mac lady danger. Okay, bronzer or blusher? I would say blush all day, hands down. Oh, okay. Oh. Hands okay. down. And the thing is, there's power in blush, ladies. There's power in guys. Power in blush because. You know, yes, we like to bronze ourselves, but when you look at blush, blush, it, you know, if you, if you come in from the cold, your skin, you're blushing. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, take a mm -hmm. quick run, if you jog, you're blushing. If you have sex, you're going to, you're going to be really warm in the cheeks, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's something that is so organic to anyone who has blood flowing in their body. Yeah. That blush, it just makes all of us look really healthy. So even a little bit of blush, you don't have to go crazy with the blush, but everyone, there's power in blush. Trust me. Beauty blender or foundation brush? Beauty Blender all day. Beauty really? Blender. Shout out to Rianne, who's the CEO, oh. who's the creator of Beauty Blender. Ladies, a damp <laughs> Beauty Blender when you squeeze out the water and then, you know, you still, you know, put a little bit of found liquid foundation on the back of your hand and you use that damp Beauty Blender to go in and give yourself the most, that's the most beautifully applied foundation application you'll have. No streaks, no lines. It almost looks like it's airbrushed on. And then it just, it just, it just works. That's the, I love to use beauty blenders. That's where I'm going wrong with the beauty blender. I think I'm always using it dry. I'm always using it dry. Yeah. Never use a dry, never use a dry beauty wow. blender. Always okay. use a, like wet it, squeeze it out and then put a little bit of, you know, your foundation on the back of your hand. And then you'll see you're using less. None of that foundation is going into the sponge, it's going mm. back onto the skin. Mm. Wow. Okay. Every day is a school day. I've learned so much today anyway. 
<laughs> Last one. Mascara or eyeliner? Mascara. I love mascara. Uh, uh, I love liner too. I do. I love liner as well. I mean, I'm thinking about the history of makeup, yeah? And listen, women were lining their eyes, uh, and it, it predates the Bible, predates the Quran, mm -hmm. like, you know, liner. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. In Mesopotamia, in Egypt, you know, uh, uh, women were holding their eyes. So, you know, liner is never, it's, 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 it'll never play out. It'll never be a trend. Liner is always will be a fixture as long as people have eyes. Women have eyes and men have eyes. Men wore liner. Um, and so I would say liner I love. I love liner, guys. But I love <laughs> mascara. This, this is the only one that's a toss-up for me because I, I love mascara so much. <laughs> I love, I'm a huge fan. Huge, massive fan of mascara. I love brows too because the hair on the face symbolizes it does something. And so when you give yourself a really good juicy chunk, I'm not chunky, but a good dense bed of lashes mm. with some mascara, A, it makes your eyes impactful. People want to look. It, it tells a story. Mm -hmm. It's expressive. It helps when you're talking and communicating. It starts and stops a lot of times either in the mouth or in the eyes. And if you just, you, sometimes you just got to help, help them out, help them pay attention just a little bit longer by the most accurately applied coat of lashes. I like, for example, right now, L'Oreal Paris has Lash Paradise and that's my favorite oh, mascara. One. I love I Lash know. Paradise and it just yeah, quick so one good. coat. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's mm -hmm. good, sis. I so love good. it. So good. So I love good. it. Oh my God, Sounds I'm too so lazy for mascara. Oh no, 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 no. No, get mascara. <laughs> so it's not a lazy thing. I have loads it takes of it. Like a few seconds. Oh, no, because I have such short, stubby lashes. That's a little bit curly. That's even, even more wide. I know, but I need to like hair. apply, apply, apply. Whereas if so, I just do so, like a quick cut, I can do a cat eye in like liner. 30 seconds flat. Like, nice. Done. As long as you're giving yourself a sense of punctuation. Mm -hmm. And so all liner mm -hmm. or, or mascara is going to do, it gives you punctuation. It's like a period on the end of a sentence. It's like an exclamation point. So you, sometimes you just need a little bit of emphasis on a feature right. just to make it that much more impactful without doing a, a huge overhaul. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. So we really have one more question to ask you, yeah. which is a question that we ask everyone. Yes, please end, talk to me. Which I'm actually really excited to okay. ask you this. Okay. I wonder... I can't actually predict what you're going to say. But no, our last question. I feel like we're like going to get ask, a story. Can you? I think it's going to be really good, this one. Okay. Right? okay. <laughs> so, Sir John, when did you realize that you were beautiful? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, when did I realize that I, I was beautiful? Well, mm, you know what the funny thing is, guys, is that a lot of people have, you know, it, it goes back to, so many, okay, a lot of us, we look at our, we don't see, it's hard to see ourselves from the outside, you know? And when we think about, you know, how we were made to feel beautiful, it always, it goes back to childhood. It goes back to the voices that we, the things that were poured into us, how, how, how the grownups felt about themselves, hey, mm. you know, how, you know, the conversations they were having, the conversations your mother was having with herself in the mirror made you feel or didn't feel or feel connected to yourself or not, how they spoke life into you. So that's why it's really crucial what we say to our kids, you know, or, or, or around children, because all that's picked up, you know, a body positivity or, or, or lack thereof. Mm. So when did I feel like I was beautiful? I don't want to sound arrogant, but you know, I've always felt handsome. I've always that's known good. I was kind of like, yeah. okay looking, you know? And the thing is, you know, I, and I read a book, I'm always like checking out stuff like this. As kids, children who, uh, uh, who have, you know, like big expressive eyes or who, you know, who know how to work ad adults or their parents, they, ha they understand why and how. They don't know what it is, 
they're just like, oh, they're responding to me nicely because I was nice or I made a pouty face. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the women and then women have run with it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like guys run with it too. But um, no, no, I just I felt like my mom always instilled in us that we were. I know this sounds extra, but that I was a king and my brother was and my sister is a queen. Yeah. You know, and that you know, and and not because of anything external, but just about you know because of who we are. And so I always felt a sense of confidence um, because my mother put that confidence in me, you know, and uh, honestly, it was, it wasn't supposed to be there because this, you know, the the neighborhoods I grew up in and also a lot of things I went through in my childhood with my uh, dad's family and, you know, and possibly my dad could have knocked that away from me, you know, Mm -hmm. it could have actually was, it was, it was designed not so much on purpose to take that, to rob you of that. But, um, Mm I'm just, I'm really grateful that uh, we got to speak life into our kids. Uh, we really have to. It's our job as a community of people. Not even, it doesn't even have to be your child. It can be children you know. Yeah. It can be your nieces, your nephews. It can be anybody who, you know, you see kids. Speak life into them. Speak life right. into them. You, it, it's, you're not going to see it. You're not going to benefit from it. But with the things that they'll do from having a little bit more confidence, for standing up for themselves, for raising their hand and saying, no, my name is not this. My name is actually this. Mm-hmm. It starts with that. You know how many times I've had to mm-hmm. correct people about my name since I was like mm-hmm. fucking five years old? That mm-hmm. builds something in you when you say, no, that's not my name. You know, so confidence. Right. It's not about being beautiful. It's about being confident. Yeah. And so confidence is something that I wish that we will all keep, keep, you know, pouring that. Like, what are these flowers? The babies are flowers. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's all I got on that. Yeah. I loved that. I was like, he's not just you guys are you guys are five. You guys are amazing. (laughs) You're amazing. (laughs) You're amazing. No, you guys are amazing. I love this what you guys are doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. Please, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet and also what you're up to in the next few weeks, few months? Well, um. So please check me out or follow me. And my whole thing is this, guys. I know social media is all about the numbers, and so, but I don't care. Listen, I'm like, if you rock with me, you rock with me. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it authentic. I live an amazing life. I'm so blessed. But I don't find the need to capture it, document it all, and photograph it all. So everyone's like, yo, why didn't you take a photos and videos of all these things? I just don't come from that th- thought pattern. So I'm going to be better at that. But however, my Instagram is Sir John. It's just my name. Uh, S-I-R-J-O-H-N, check. Sir John is my um, first name, I'm, um, and so that's my Instagram. And also, if like in terms of work, I just signed with CAA, which is a CAA Fashion, Amazing. which is a major agency. And I, I really, I really adore their take and their perspective on the business, on where it needs to go and where it is existing. So um, CAA Fashion is my uh, agent, and Sir John is my Instagram. Can I just say that I feel like Sir John is the very epitome of all of the values that we built and pretty on i feel like sir john should do the intros and outros of unpretty because he says it better than we say it (laughs) (laughs) he literally is the epitome epitome of it being more than just being about makeup it being more than it just being about beauty it's it's like not it's not surface level for him and it was Mm -hmm. beautiful the way he just sort of said things i wish i had a pen and paper with me the whole time because he was just dropping these gems. Yeah. I was like, I need to reread this. I need to re-listen to this. It was totally. Yeah. It oh. was like it's like therapy. Like yeah. also the way that he even relates beauty to mental health. Mm-hmm. I think the process of applying makeup in itself in a mm-hmm. ritualistic way is, you know, a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I think when we were doing our research, I read one story, I think he did an interview with The Times where he was talking about how part of his process of being an artist is also to make sure that his client is prepared, not just, she doesn't just look beautiful, but like she's, she is mentally prepared for whatever he's preparing her for. Mm -hmm. So what he said was that, you know, he's the last person who they often the, see. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he gets the closest to them. It's such an intimate process of being a makeup artist. And it's something mm. that I think is often forgotten about. To be perfectly honest, artistry. I don't know if, I don't, of course, like all of us working in beauty, especially me working in editorial, like I, I'm, I'm a makeup artist all the time. I understand how they make people feel and the importance of them. But there was just something about the way he explained it that, almost felt like this is it's I don't know I don't even know how to explain it just it's I bigger just than makeup this. yeah I've just walked yeah. away from this being like whoa like maybe I didn't even give those makeup artists enough credit on set you know it's it's an amazing skill to have like literally yeah and like you said I don't think they are given enough credit at all in yeah. terms of what they do I mean just even hearing about him saying that he had to take out you know images of the black models that he was working with mm-hmm. I think it's bloody ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> it is can you imagine that happening now though like yeah you never how they'll be called out whoever that changed. is they'll be called out 100 like, but they wouldn't even be called out because for. they're in demand now we're in a new age of apparently demand for black skin and black mm-hmm. makeup artists so this is true he's in a good position but he's grown and like it's it's amazing to hear him talk about his growth in such a sort of humble way you know yeah. he didn't drop the beyonce bomb he didn't drop he wasn't dropping names left right and center he was oh like, my god he was so professional even so when chill. he was talking about doing beyonce's um makeup in the, 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 the car and he was just yeah. like the client was running late off of the bj we are you the not client? Who the client is? Yes, the client for the Miss Carter tour. Yeah, yeah the Queen. Yes, <laughs> but that humbleness is probably, I think, in this industry, all of us know in this industry, you've got to keep humble mm-hmm. because that's ultimately how you'll stay. It will go to your head, and it's obviously not gone to his head. He's like, cool, yeah, my client. Evidently, we know who the client is, but he's mm-hmm. not going to sit on a podcast and be like Beyonce this, Beyonce that, and God, I've got so much respect for that. So much respect. Also, listeners, I'm sure you already have done, but follow him on Instagram. Yeah. He just posted oh, a I liked great that post. little graphic that says, sometimes just being you is the flex. Nice. Just that. That's what you needed on <laughs> the first day of the week. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He just says he just says stuff. I just feel like he's a good person to have around. You know, when mm-hmm. you're just like, I just listened to him and thought, you're a good person. Good energy, good fun. Literally having him just have like minutes, yeah. everyday minutes, just listen to him in the morning mm-hmm. before you go to bed. Quick, quick, snappy podcast, audio. I, yeah, I subscribe. Big, big thanks to Beck Wilson for sorting us out with this interview with Sir John. For Honestly, sure. friend of the podcast, supporter. We massively appreciate the opportunity. For sure. Thank you, Beck. I think we should do a few recommendations of other readings and listenings. What have you listened to, Chi, that you love? I listened to a brilliant podcast by one of our past guests, Josh Smith. It's called mm-hmm. Make It Rain. And this episode featured the queen that is Clara Ampho, who also, can I just say, has her own Barbie doll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she, just the way that she was speaking about being alone and loving herself and being comfortable in her own source. 
that was the takeaway highly recommend listening to that great energy queen clara we all love clara (laughs) i listened to a podcast which was actually again clara a clara recommendation that she put on her instagram from a podcast called shut up evan where he talks to la roach who is the stylist to zendaya to celine dion to incredible incredible women in the same way that sir john's talk about his makeup artistry la roach talks about the importance of an image and how he was was with Zendaya since she was what 14 and he grew her to what she is and now she's on the best dress list every single time mm-hmm. I listened to a pass the mic mm-hmm. session that was with Candice Braithwaite mm-hmm. and she was interviewed by Julia Manuga and let me tell you that was an almighty listen no, like if is. anybody hasn't listened go and listen go I wish we were in the listen. room for it I did the I was watched the recording of that I was invited along I sneaked in who says I was invited I sneaked in it was two hours long of me sitting there the whole time thinking god how are they going to edit this I even thought of Yuchi I thought if Chi had to edit this she'd really struggle because there's so many gems that she'd love (laughs) the gems are just there were so many gems yeah yeah it was a brilliant honestly she's a she's brilliant she's formidable she's she's Mm -hmm. great yeah yeah 100% it was it was very much a masterclass I learned Mm. so much even so much about myself Mm. through the way that she was talking Mm. I just love how she's just so open with her story and her history Mm-hmm. and everything that she's faced up to up today like. I think for her it's about delivery right she has the ability to deliver information and deliver news in a way that mm-hmm. feels very honest but not affronting you don't feel like you're sort of like oh I'm uncomfortable with this she's just mm-hmm. she's very good she's very good we're also a big fan of you and Julie and all these incredible black women that are doing their thing speaking of Julie I hope everyone's watching Catfish UK not relevant to the podcast but <laughs> make sure that it's on your watch list because they have outdone themselves this season yeah so that's all our recs guys everyone listening I hope you enjoyed this episode we've got lots indeed anything that has been mentioned throughout this and also just more interesting reading about Sir John will be included in our show notes as ever so make sure to check that out and also make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter to see what we're up to we tweet Kadeen tweets. Kadeen tweets. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, guys. Until next time. Bye. The Unbreak Podcast is hosted by Chi Yufuriyama and Basma Khalifa. Produced by Kadeen Bissett and Ayo Sule. Our artwork was created by Zenya Geller and soundtrack by Enoch Kolo. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure you've subscribed on your chosen podcast listening platform. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate us so more people can find us. And follow us on at Unpretty Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time.